What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin, so many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage people to check out their local food bank to see how they can help out, as food banks like Ozark's Food Harvest here in my hometown are helping people overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. Follow me on social media like Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. All those links are in the show notes. This week, we are joined by Meredith Alexander, who is a mother, entrepreneur, author, and coach. Meredith has an extraordinary story of overcoming impossible circumstances when her daughter was crushed by a boulder, and she helps people to explore the boundaries of endless possibilities, positive expectations, and creative focus. Meredith's story is very powerful, and her message is absolutely on point. I was very excited to talk with Meredith, so let's get over to it. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Meredith Alexander. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Meredith, you are quite an accomplished person. Um, the the very highest level of of who you are, and I guess you could say, well, that's not fair because you're many <laughs> more things than just these four that I'm going to list. But you're an author. You're a mindset expert. You're a motivational speaker. You're a coach. And then this one I, I do love, and I am going to have to ask you to elaborate, but a powerhouse quantumpreneur. Oh, yes, um, baby. <laughs> I, I, I love the quantum in there. Um, so I, and then this isn't going to be the focus of our conversation, I don't think, but can you describe what that what that is? Absolutely. Well, first of all, it's a dead giveaway that I like wordsmithing, right? That, that I can't yeah. leave a good word well enough alone that I have to play with it. But I really, really, where that came from is that I really believe that we're moving into this new quantum world of business. And this was even before that was, I came up with that title long before our dear friend COVID visited us right. or not so dear friend. Right. And right. I really believed that the people who would be the most epic were the people who could get very, very familiar with thriving in the midst of change and unpredictability and whoa, lo and behold, 2020. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, that was pretty, I mean, it's still going on, right. right? It, it's be kind of become, I don't want to say it's become normalized because there are still lots of people suffering and, and unfortunately right. passing away. Um, so I don't mean to normalize that or act like it's not a big deal now, but it is strange a year in now, well, close to at least how uh, it, I, if I walked into the store and don't have my mask on, I'm like, Oh, and I run back out and get it like it, right. but it doesn't feel weird anymore. Right. You know what I mean? It's all become routine. Well, anyway, I think that's a oh, testimonial to how we as human beings, ultimately, we may not like it, but we can get familiar with the unfamiliar. And, right. and we can adjust to that even when it, when the new familiar becomes something that is crisis, something that is well outside of anything we ever wanted to be familiar with. Right. Yeah. Well, and so that that's a, a good segue into kind of um, your story. And, and I actually don't want to, to paraphrase it at all. So I'll just ask you kind of tell us your where, what is your walk of life? How have you gotten to where you are today and what are you doing today? And, and Sure, yeah. sure. Well, um, I have always been one of those people, even from when I was a child, who was fascinated because I was I was very observant and I looked around and I saw that some people were happy and other people clearly were not happy and it didn't correspond with really what was going on always in someone's life. And I was really fascinated with people who would experience these incredible crises in their life, and yet they would emerge even more epic than before the actual crisis. So lo and behold, I had a fabulous education, and I start diving into some of the old philosophers and the thought leaders. Anything about the inner game just absolutely fascinated me. Winning mm. at the inner game, because it seemed to get totally overlooked in every other aspect. And I went to, again, I went to great university and I prep school, nothing, nada about how to be happy, how to really live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like two of the most important things to existing would be mental, mental health as a bucket term, you know, and that's not exactly right. it necessarily, but 
but mental fortitude, mental health, and then personal finance. Yep. And those two things are not taught in traditional school almost at all, right? right? I mean, yeah, you can learn how to balance a checkbook maybe, but not really a lot beyond that, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And yet what's really interesting is that if you get in a room of very, very, very accomplished people, at, at least in their own tr minds, right? And you were to ask them, look, if you could give only one gift uh, to your children, what would you want to gift them? Would it be a beautiful house? Would it be cars? Or would it be happiness? What would it be? Hands down, you're going to get, for, I believe, from what I've seen, 100% agreement we want happiness. We'll take happiness every single time. So why then is it so not studied and understood, I think, to the level that it could be? So leading mm -hmm. into, so in my life, so I, I really started studying the inner game. And I had a couple, I will not kid you, times in my life that were real crashing, you know, crash and burn sort of experiences that were really, really at the time and for many, many years afterwards, impossible to feel grateful for mm. or to even forgive um, I knew intellectually and from a lot of the personal development that I should find a way to feel grateful and um, have an attitude of gratitude, but it felt impossible until uh, almost exactly five years ago on February the 19th in 2016, I was going through my day as this, you know, typical entrepreneur chasing, chasing, chasing the, the latest sales strategy, the funnels, the this, how can I increase my sales and fill my pipeline? Phone rings and I pick it up and out of nowhere, this young woman's voice said, um, is this Skylar's mom? And I said, yes, where's Skylar? And she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's been a terrible accident. Skylar has been struck by a boulder while we we're out rafting and she's in a hospital. And she started giving me details and immediately I kind of went into shock, as you can imagine, because another yeah. thing they don't teach you in any sort of school or university is what to do when the ultimate crisis hits you or your family. Right. Right. So most of it was was denial initially. And she finally I, I, I finally got up the courage to say, is there a chance that she won't make it? And I tell you, just the silence on the other end of the line said it all. And her reply was, we just need to get you down here. Three doctors are doing their best. And um, yeah, we need to get you down here. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's a pretty harrowing experience to have. And and so how old was Skylar at this Sky time? I was 22. She was 22. Wow. She just graduated from Yale and again, this woman, this young woman was like a dynamo. She'd already been to five out of the seven continents. She'd been she taught monks in Nepal English. I mean, she'd built schools and she was on a fellowship from Yale uh in Peru working with the native population and had gone on this quick jaunt with this other young woman who was going to be one of her bosses on the fellowship to Colombia just because they thought they should see Colombia while they were there. The day before they were supposed to leave, I got this call. Wow. And so were you able to go to her in South America? Absolutely. And um, this is where as I have really, really come to appreciate, um, it was a huge turning point in my own life, not simply in Skylar's life, um, but I came to appreciate that sometimes our gifts may not look at all like gifts, and yet some of those greatest gifts arrive looking like tremendous challenges. But for me, one of those was really having to make that flight. Because if something devastating had happened to my daughter here in Tampa, where I'm based, and I'd, in that hysteria, rushed, gotten into the car, rushed down to the hospital, 
I would have become the second victim of whatever had happened to her. I would have been of no use. I would have had no power as it was. I had to get on this plane with my other daughter and my son was staying home. And so I'm there on this plane in the middle of the night, 30,000 feet. And automatically I started asking myself questions based on everything I'd I'd studied in my inner game. Right. Mm. Because I realized that all of a sudden, all of these, for the longest time, all my inner game studies had kind of been a hobby, kind of interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd studied it for decades and decades and devoured it, but I never really put it on the same level as like the sales funnels and this and that. It was kind of like, eh, you know, we just, we react, we react, react. That was my feeling. And um, even though it was interesting stuff, it was always just interesting stuff. Well, here I was looking out and all of these, these strategies, these tips that I had as an entrepreneur, they could not help me. And I realized that the only prayer that I had was this inner game stuff. And so I realized that I may not be able to control the outer game, but I sure as heck could play a mean inner game. So I said, absolutely game on because the worst emotion of all the emotions that I realized was not the despair. It wasn't the fear. It wasn't blame or self-blame or any of those. It was feeling powerless. Mm. And that is what the inner game could give me. Mm. So something you said really struck me there um, because it's, it's something that I've come across a lot recently, both in my own personal, personal development. (laughs) I have a a life coach I talk to and stuff too, you know, Um, but also in other conversations with, with other, some other individuals. Um, And that is the feeling that you just described of of powerlessness um, is probably a more uh, nuanced way of, of, of still describing a version of fear though. Right. I mean, Cause it's like, how am I ever going to overcome this? How will I ever face this? And what you said though, is that when you're at 30,000 feet and you're, you're in the belly of that beast, the thing that you said you did was you started asking yourself questions. And I just talked to a guy and I'm, I, I don't mean to go on, but I, I just talked to a guy a week or two ago who talked about how he was at one point suicidal and he went out into the woods and thought he was going to end his life. And he didn't know exactly how long he was out there. It could have been a minute and it could have been 10 minutes, could have been an hour. He doesn't know. But whatever it was, he found some moment of clarity where he kind of just let go of all of his worry. And what happened was he started asking questions. And that's what ultimately kind of led him back out of the metaphorical and literal woods that he found himself in. So I, I guess my point is just, or, or my question maybe is, can you talk a little more about that specifically? What what is your feeling on questions? And do you find that curiosity is questions are, I won't even say golden. They're titanium. Right. Questions are the way through questions are the hidden gifts. When we get stuck asking ourselves the same questions, we enter the world of the hamster wheel. Hmm. The only way that we really can get through whatever we're facing or become bigger versions of ourselves is by choosing to dare to ask new questions. And that to me was the total epiphany because as Mm. I sat there, I realized that the answer to this problem per se began with the questions that I was asking myself. It began with what I was focusing on and what I was making that mean. So I started because when you're asking questions, you have to be very careful to realize that your mind has to buy into these questions, Mm. right? So in order for them to be really powerful, Your mind has to be with you, not fighting you on these, if possible, right? Right. So, for example, it wasn't my mind would not be aligned with me if I started making, 
affirmations, and I'm not going to discount affirmations completely, right? They do serve a purpose. But in this case, if I was to stay, you know, sit there in my seat, looking at those clouds saying, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I know, I know, I know. Or if I was going to quote unquote, try to look on the bright side, people ask me all the time, because actually from the moment that this boulder that I got the call, I actually, I, I had no idea what to do. So my first thought was to reach out on Facebook huh, to see if anyone had that experience. So, and then in order to be able to keep people posted, I discovered that the only way initially in Colombia, because it was so hard to keep your phone charged and almost impossible to find Wi-Fi. When I found that, I had to communicate with everybody. So mm-hmm. Facebook became a great way for doing that. So I launched this this po- this page called Sky is the Limit, spelled like her name, S-C-H-U-Y. So people would ask me because these were not posts. There was not one picture in there ever, even though this continued on and it's still going today. There was not one picture of her uh, in the hospital. It was Mm. all, look, if you want to support us, you go out and you be the best version of yourself. It was all carefully honed in around the energy and the mind, the mindset that I knew. And so people would ask me, how can you constantly look on the bright side? And I would always respond, I'm never looking on the bright side because if you're trying to look on the bright side, where is your focus? It, right. It's on that big looming dark side, right? So my mind had to buy into it uh, in order for my energy to be magnetically attracting anything that I had hoped that it would be attracting. And so where that started was, for example, a new question saying, okay, has anyone ever throughout time created or achieved something that other people would say is impossible? Well, immediate breakthrough, right? Because I was flying in one of them, Mm. right? So I found one little thought in my mind could go, oh, okay. And then the next thought was, okay, so has anyone ever experienced a miracle? And of course, once again, the answer was, you know, they're happening quite honestly all the time. And so what I found myself able to do in the midst of these heavens was to ask myself little tiny questions that my mind could buy into. And these questions helped me go from total despair and to your point, fear, Mm -hmm. to a little bit of hope. And then inch my way up to a little bit of belief. But even mm. in belief, there's a little bit of, there's, there are cracks there, right? Because mm. a belief is just a thought you keep thinking, but there's always a possibility that, you know, something can come and knock the dominoes down. So I kept going and finally got to the place that I can only describe as a place of such a powerful knowing in the form of an expectation that it, all of a sudden from that moment on started feeling and then reflecting as if life had to conform to that vision. And that's the only way that I can possibly maybe describe the word, the concept of faith, right? There was no fighting. I wasn't going to go in there and fight this horrible life-threatening injuries against my daughter, it was ease, it was trust, it was confidence, it was knowing. And so I, when I arrived after two flights, four and a half hour drive with two vehicles through the crazy mountains of Colombia to this tiny little hospital, I did not arrive as the sobbing, distraught mom. I was already moving, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche into full power mode at that point. And it was, it, it was entirely that inner game that did that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's, that's, that's really impressive. Um, And I know, I know impressive isn't even really the right word that I mean to use, but that's, it's a really powerful is probably the better word story. 
Um, two things that stood out that I liked is, is, you know, you point out that going through your affirmations in that moment isn't, isn't really the answer. Right. And, and then you were kind of like, I'm not trying to, you know, hate on affirmations or something, but the, I think that's a really important point that you make because, you know, I talk a lot about daily routine on this show. Um, you know, I, I meditate, I journal, I do affirmations, I exercise, I read, I visualize you know, all these things. Right. But all of those things and, and other people, and I used to be this way before I did these things. It's like, that's not really the answer. And it's like, it, that's not the point of those things. Those, those things are not the moment to moment, the way that they, they don't solve all your problems. They're just habits that help put you in a place <laughs> so that when you need to solve a problem, maybe you've got a better tool set to work with. Right. Um, so I just, I just think it's important to, uh, th for people to hear you say that and to kind of elaborate on that a bit, because these daily routine things like affirmations and stuff are not meaningless. They are also not all powerful. Right. Right. And, and, <laughs> and, part of a system. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I think there is a part of affirmations and gratitude that are not always completely understood, right? You can say your affirmations or you can say gratitude, not unlike a shopping list. Like, okay, I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful I have food to eat. What am I grateful for today? Oh, okay, I'm grateful for that, right? What is the energy behind them? Like next to nothing, right? Mm. It couldn't, it doesn't hold up on its own. It's, it's, so it really, really effective affirmations, really effective expressions of gratitude are when you can kindle the emotion that goes with it so that you're creating physically that magnetic field that is going to start to pull back to you actual creation right so the difference so that's so that's one of the things that when i work with my clients that i think is the most transformational for them is that most people have no idea where energetically they're really focusing Right. So I'll give you an example. So a, a, an example would be if I were to say to you, uh, where do you want to be a year from now? And if you were to say something like um, a year from now, I want to I want to have the podcast be incredibly successful. I want to be making I want to be making X amount of dollars. I want to be healthy. I want to have a great relationship. What am I thinking of? What is the what is the invisible story as I'm talking about that? It's the things I don't have in place yet. So all the energy is focused on the lack of what mm. you're talking about. So what are you really feeding? More of the lack of, right? So contrast right. it with this. Where do you want to be a year from now? Mm. A year from now, I want to be waking up knowing that my freaking podcast is going to have all of these downloads. I want to be in such a place where I'm smelling the smells. I'm feeling the, the, the feelings where my bank account is rocking. I don't even have to check it because I know that I'm, I'm going to love what I see, right? I mean, the energy there, the presence, I am there. I am practicing my future. My energy is. So when I'm talking about a gratitude list, it's like, I am grateful. I am grateful that I am waking up still with things I want to achieve, still with things I don't know the answer to, still with things that I want to play with, that I want to work through, that people that I want to touch, things that I want to impact, a mark that I want to leave. And yeah, I'm grateful. I'm super grateful for, you know, I know when I walk in the door, my crazy dog is going to jump all over me like he's never seen me before, right? But it's the emotion, the invisible story is all supporting everything that you're talking about. Therefore, your energy is supporting it. So if I were to then get in front of a mirror and say, I am a freaking money magnet, I'm feeling right. it. Right. I'm not doing this because it's a last ditch resort to your point. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, that. Yeah, that's really that's also very powerful. Um, the idea of, of being 
like you said, emotionally engaged with these practices, mm. not just going through the motions, if you will. Yep. The other thing that you had said in, in kind of retelling that story of, of being on the flight and, and your kind of your process was that I really I really appreciated is is the notion that you started asking yourself questions, but you didn't. I think there's also a thing, especially when talking to someone like you or hearing someone like your story, where it's like, oh, you must have just known the question to ask yourself. <laughs> And, and it's not, it's a little, it's baby steps, right? It's first like, well, has anyone ever done anything that's impossible before? Well, yeah, cause I'm on an airplane, right? Like in that, at mm -hmm. some point in time was impossible. And so it's, it's, it's little stair steps to this. And I, I just think that's an important thing as well, because it's sometimes I think people can get trapped in this idea that they have to see the end from the beginning. Yep. And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and if we measure our moments based on a destination, then we are robbing ourselves of the deliciousness of every single moment along the way. Like today is, you know, the only when we are recording this, this is the only day that we are going to experience this day. Will we remember it? We remember Christmas because it's on a very specific day. Every year we plan things that supposedly are going to make it memorable. But gosh, sometimes if you ask me, well, what did you do three Christmases ago? I don't know. Probably the same thing I did this Christmas or last Christmas. I don't know. COVID might be a little bit different. That might be memorable, but not for the right <laughs> reasons. So we have, we have an opportunity when we understand that to me, especially thanks to what I learned from this boulder, life is a co collection of moments. And, mm -hmm. and I really, really, really powerfully believe that each and every one of us has the potential to live an epic version of ourselves and of our lives, and that it should not take a boulder to get you there. So that is what really catapulted me into what I do today and what I train my clients to do today. But I'll tell you, um, even though, I mean, we saw miracles in the hospital, right? We saw absolute miracles. In fact, to the point where the, the, these like Olympian surgeons who were working on Skylar would regularly, they drag me into the nursing station and they'd show me things on the screen and say, look at this. I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but I have to show this to you because what you are seeing is medically textbook impossible. If it was not you guys, the Miracle family, we would believe that something was malfunctioning with the equipment. This is not possible. And yet it happens over and over and over again. And to, it got to the point where the mindset was I mean I was I was tuned in baby I mean so the whole mindset in actually the neuro ICU started to shift a bit so much that they actually had us back um, not last year but the the year before in 2019 to actually talk to their team about mindset during nurses awards week so it was a super powerful thing. And so she progressed and against all odds, four months later, she had officially survived the unsurvivable and she was released. But guess what? Mm. Released meant my business, my sole business at the time had been absolutely decapitated. You cannot make cold calls from an ICU room. I tried. You can't. <laughs> Um, and then my dear sweet daughter, even though she'd survived, 
could barely lift her hands, could barely swallow. She had some shield protecting her because she'd, she'd fractured her spine as well, not her spinal cord, but her spine. She had all kinds of devastating injuries, including the, 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 you know, the split skull, the whole nine yards. She could not be left alone because she could not sit up, definitely could not walk. She could not transfer herself. So she was a danger to her own self. So there I was with no training on being a caregiver with my finances absolutely devastated for more than a year. And so it felt like I had been hit by a second boulder. So here I was, I remember absolutely sitting at my desk one night just with bills thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> talk about time awareness. What the heck am I going to do? And it was really hard once again to stay positive, but for a completely different reason. But that's when it really hit me that the answer was right in front of me because mm. that that inner game, that that system that I had inadvertently kind of pulled together from all these teachings, law of attraction, energy, you know, the Socrates, Plato, the whole nine yards, neuroscience, that I pulled these all together and, and put these into a little three-step formula for myself, that was the differentiating factor. And, and my gosh, if it could fuck medical precedent, then it sure as heck could get me out of that abyss that I found us in. And so I, I thought, you know what? I know how to do the outer game. I know how to do the inner game. Let me start with the inner game, the way that I have been successful here. Let me see what happens. And fortunately, it was incredibly effective. And so it evolved into what I call now the grit formula that I share with my clients today. And that was the scary part for me because I was there was still a part of me that was like, eh, it worked for me. Can it really can it work for other people? And, you know, more than a hundred, hundred, you know, hundreds of clients later, even through COVID, it definitely does and definitely has. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I will say I the, the listeners obviously can't see it even if I was to try and show it or something because it's audio, but um, I had the, the chance to look at some videos from your, your website. And so I got to see you and your daughter together on stage and she's smiling and seems seems like she's doing great given you know certainly given the circumstances but but seems like she's doing really great and thriving um and it was it was just really cool to see again i i didn't know nearly the level of detail that you've shared but i had an idea of the high level you know series of events um and it was just so cool to see her yeah on stage one of the videos and i don't know how old this one was it was probably pre-covid because you were in a room of people <laughs> um <laughs> But she was going to be doing like a participating in like a, a, a beauty pageant yes, of some sort. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she for a few years now, um, and she actually won Miss Congeniality on the last one that she did, which was awesome. Considering, and that was big for her because the real, I mean, appreciate this if you're listening to this. Whenever you face something that feels unfamiliar and uncomfortable, she participated in this when she could barely speak. And so this mm. whole pageant clearly was not about bathing suit contests. This was about having a platform, something that you believed in, getting up on stage and really advocating for it. And so for her to be able to do this in front of a crowd when she could barely be understood after having been, you know, speaking on stages pre-Boulder, it was terrifying for her. So yeah, I mean, I'm super, super proud of her and it has been a real lesson to us in the, the importance of incremental successes can be the best kind of successes because you get to celebrate a thousand victories along the way to a destination as opposed to measuring everything by that one destination and then you're like yay for about 15 minutes right yeah well, i mean it, it's it's not literally the same but it, i mean it's kind of similar to the thing we were just talking about with the questions right where it's like it's not just 
about the one question that maybe is the last one that you asked, right? It's this whole journey of all these little steps. And that's really, I mean, ultimately, and this is cliche. I have a problem with cliches because I don't actually think that it's fair to accuse things of being cliche. Like there are just <laughs> principles in life. And the thing is, is there's a lot of ways to say it and not every way resonates with every person. And so it's important to have me say it my way and you say it your way and another coach come on and say it their way because someone out there maybe will hear it the way that it, they needed to this time. You know what I mean? Um, but it, I mean, it's the journey, not the destination, right? That's the easiest cliche for what we're mm -hmm. kind of talking about. Mm -hmm. But it really is. I mean, that's life. Life is is the journey. It isn't a destination, you know? And, and trust um, me, when you brush up against a boulder, it ceases to be cliche, right? It's right. more like the boulder, you know, bashing you in the face saying, wake the frick up. Will you come alive already? Right? right. And And so I really believe that you know, that boulder actually came, ironically enough, um, not to teach us about death and suffering, but to teach us how to choose to live. And it came to destroy some of the things that certainly I had been allowing to hold me back. Right, right. Yeah, so... Um... I, I'm just jumping ahead probably now or something, but I, I, you, you talked in your, we had exchanged an email or two before you'd come on the show and you talked about how this experience kind of transformed something that you looked at as impossible mm -hmm. into something that now you viewed as I'm possible. Right. And, and it's the wordsmith thing with the quantum preneur. Right. Of but I, I told you right then, as soon as I read it, I responded that I love that, that phrase. Yes. Um, so can you talk about that a little sure, bit? Sure, absolutely. And um, so the thing about I'm the concept of impossible is that we really get conditioned to establish definitions pretty much about everything, who we are, who we are not, um, what life is, what life is not, what is possible, what is not. And so often we get so used to repeating that, then we mistake that as truth with all capital T's, right? And mm -hmm. so for me, I, I, I guess this ties to going back to what I kind of mentioned before, that there were a couple of really painful things that I lived through in my life. And it was only thanks to this boulder that as I looked back at one point when we had already been able to take Skye and move her from Columbia to Miami, and I was sitting actually in the little chapel, and all of a sudden it struck me. It was the same feeling as when you go out the front door, you're walking, there's dew all around you, take one more step, and there's this huge spider web that you swore <laughs> was not there one step right. earlier. And you know when you take one more step, you will not be able to see it again. But in that moment, it suddenly, and I still get chills thinking about it, was I realized that had those two things specifically not happened before, or had I known that they would be of value, had I not experienced the anguish of emotions that I experienced, I would not have been inspired to dig a little bit deeper hone my inner game skills a little bit more, ask the questions that I began asking, feel the way that I felt, and that would have made me to be the person who I was when I got that call about my daughter, right? Mm. And so it really is, it's in the word, right? They're two basically the same words, but it's just having a little shift, and all of a sudden the impossible has the capability of becoming the I'm possible. And to me, that really, even, okay, you're going to love this one. Boulder, even in the word, the fricking word boulder is a clue, right? If you take the you out, in other words, when you get out of your own way, then and only then are you free to live that boldest version of yourself. Huh, yep, I do love that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was a wordsmith. That's, so. Yeah, that's great. That's great. My coach is going to be sick of me sharing all these things with her <laughs> now. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
you've written a book mm-hmm. called the sky is the limit which now i understand where that title comes from um so is that book is that book recounting the, the same story so we've been talking interestingly about enough that-, that book so um it got to the point we had we had like thousands of followers so people would recognize us around the country, airports, restaurants and stuff. So at one point, um, someone who had read our story came up and I love it because people share how this has led into their story and what they've been able to do. And it's amazing. So one of those people said to me, those Facebook posts, when are you going to put them into a book? And I kind of looked at her like one of those dogs hearing a weird noise and tilted my head and kind of went, but they're on Facebook. And she was like, yeah, but time is passing and not everybody reads Facebook. And I would just love to have it on the table next to my bed. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I actually went back and um, that night when I got home, I thought, "Eh, it's possible. And so I looked at the post and I decided that I would take the exact unedited first four months of posts, add um, kind of an introductory chapter and then a pull it together chapter at the end and publish those exact unedited so that people could see and experience the actual mindset as it happened. Because it's one thing for me to now talk about it in the past yeah. But for me to, for for you to be reading this as this is happening, not with none of us knowing that Skylar is going to make it out of it, it took on a completely different tone to it, which I think is why so many people started sharing it and saying, gosh, you've got to read this. Because there was, in fact, again, medical precedent said, eh, we love you, but eh this isn't destined to happen. Right. Right. So it it completely contains those first four months of unedited posts. Um, So that's why I think it hit that hot new release spot when it was released on Amazon. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really, really cool idea. I, um, I really appreciate writing or books that are, that are not just the traditional, I mean, it wouldn't be a novel obviously because it's a real story, but um, but yeah, th- just something that's, that's non-traditional in its format. Um, I think that there's, as you've described, there's a ton of value to that. Um, in this case, because like you described, you can see, you can almost kind of be there with you again. And for someone who the story is new to, that's really, really valuable. Um, so something that you talked about a moment ago is, um, that you teach now is grit. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's an acronym. It is. So um, if you wouldn't mind to share what that acronym is, then we'll start there. Sure. So it's called the GRIT formula because I really believe that throughout the decades, as I've studied this material and I've studied the people that are epic, right, that they have kind of four elements to them. And that first is that they have the capability to own their greatness, which means not only owning who they uniquely are, but also being content and at peace with who they are not. Or mm-hmm. And some of those stories, those, those scars that cry out that we've had to be mightier than some of the things that tried to bring us down, right? So it's owning their greatness. And when I can own my greatness and realize that then I can combine it with your greatness and your greatness and your greatness and your greatness, then truly going back to the name of the book, the sky is the limit, but even the limit becomes the beginning, right? So the G is for learning to own your greatness. R is looking at the world through the lens of resilience and possibility. Really Mm. learning to ask those new questions, learning where your focus is, learning where your focus is not. So the lens of resilience. The I is that perfect marriage of taking intuition and marrying it with a powerful intention to create almost a laser trajectory toward where you're going. And then T is embracing that the magic lies in the transformation and learning to become familiar with the unfamiliar, comfortable with the uncomfortable, and having that epic level of trust and faith and 
invigoration about not knowing what lies ahead, but knowing that you're right. up for it. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a good acronym. You're good at the word stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're looking for my blessing on that. Um, but no, it, 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 I, I, I wanted to ask that because so something that I struggled with for a long time was thinking that grit, not as an acronym, just as a word was um, like an innate quality that a person either had or didn't have. And if you didn't have it, or in my case, if I thought I didn't have it, then um, I'm lacking in some way, right? Like I'm broken in some way. And over time, I've come to learn that certainly there's something, I like the word resilience that you used a lot better. Um, I don't mean that there's never a point in time where people, you know, white knuckle grip something, okay, let's go or bear down and, and really, you know, lean into something. Of course that exists. But I think that the, when it comes to that tenacity and that resilience, it doesn't really come from just this abstract grit. It comes from belief, faith, right? Like it comes from excitement, curiosity, like it comes from a combination of things none of which are necessarily just an innate quality that you either binarily do or don't have. I would, I would agree with that. And I think, um, you know, all of that comes from a lifetime and being willing to, to live it fully. Right. I mean, I kind of define a grit mindset as is when your desire to create a miracle is greater than your desire to give in. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, it's, I struggle to find a word. Uh, sometimes I wish I knew who to call up to ask for more words, um, be more specific because like faith is a good word, but then that has connotations that don't apply sometimes or belief is a good word or another, another way that's a cliche way, right? Will be people say, well, what's your why or mm-hmm. find your why, but that also breaks down in some, you know, context or whatever. Well, I, I would only, um, gently jump in and say, and say that if we're allowing the shortcomings of language of words to be a reason for not capturing the fullness of the potential then that's that's a choice right? Is that we can make them, I mean, because the beautiful thing is, is that we can't, and I'm going to use a word that I, we could go on a long discussion about this one word, but um, (laughs) that words can't perfectly capture anything and everything. And that's a beautiful thing because it keeps us talking, keeps us discussing. It keeps us growing. It keeps us unfolding. Right. Right. So you're advocating that I shouldn't have someone I can call to ask for new words. <laughs> I'm saying you don't need to. Just make up words like I do. Right. No. I'm, yes. Yes. No. You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that that's a great point. That um, by not having limited, concrete definitions for just literally everything, it, it does invite more conversation and more questions and more uh, more learning and all of that. So, um, so you. You know, you've talked about your clients that you work with. So who who do you work with primarily? Are you working with individuals? Are you working with families? Are you working with businesses? Who, who so, are you working so with? Primarily, they fall into, you know, two areas, either individuals, a, a lot of professionals or entrepreneurs who feel like they've gone, that they're stuck or they've gone as far as they can on their own, or quite frankly, they feel like, okay, this is impossible but I want to figure it out. And so that's when they tend to come to me when they know that, okay, maybe they've even done really well, but they don't entirely have that inner game together. Something is missing. And so that really is my specialty. I do that with corporations and teams as well. Right now, I'm really, really working with teams to help them figure out some of the basics like how do you how do you marry what's going on at home the challenges that are what's at home and and what's at work how do you how do you handle the myriad of issues that come with being a professional in our in our world right now and those pressures and those frustrations and how to express concern without expressing disdain and confrontation right so 
Um, I love, I love working with people who are feeling like they're in a funk and I love working with them and showing them how quickly and easily for the most part, just a few little tweaks Again, some no, some questions that are what I call blind spot thinking, right? We mm-hmm. just can't see them ourselves. But to have someone shine a light on them and pull back the curtain, it's almost like a physical release of something that you've been carrying or energy that you've been expelling for decades often. I love, that's why I do what I do, why I love what I do, without mm-hmm. question. Awesome. So um, if people wanted to, to get in contact with you, I mean, obviously, we've had a, a great conversation here this evening. If someone wants to reach out to you, and, and I'll have links in the show notes, but, but from yourself, where, where would they go to, to find you? Definitely. Um, uh, on social media, you're going to have those links. Uh, check out our Sky is the Limit, S-C-H-U-Y is the Limit on Facebook. If, if you're curious, you want to see how Sky is doing now. Um, and I'm also, uh, you know, I, I, I am launching a group program that this one is geared toward women right now but I have other programs but if you are if you feel like you are feeling stuck there is no reason to be stuck again I feel so passionately that we all have that potential to be epic then I would say reach out to me I have a link I um I'm going to be able to gift you if you want to 20 minutes of my time and we will go, go over strategy. You can tell me what you're, what you're up against and I will give you some tips. I will tell you what can be, I believe can be the next step, what you might be able to do to get unstuck, to go further faster, things that maybe have helped me. Um, I would totally invite you to hop on a call with me and take me up on this. And you would do this by um, going to bit.ly forward slash go epic now. That's all in capital letters, bit.ly forward slash go epic now. And it'll take you to my calendar, pick your 20 minutes and let's 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 have you go to the most epic version of you starting right away awesome yeah no that's a that's an incredibly generous offer and you know it, it, again we're we're talking about coaching here not not counseling in in the traditional sense of a therapist or something but i i think the counseling and coaching are are a lot closer aligned than people would think and I think that there's a lot of stigma around counseling where people are like, well, I don't want someone to tell me that I'm depressed or someone to tell me that I'm anxious or, or whatever the diagnosis would be. And, and that's why I think coaching is so powerful because it offers a lot of the same benefits. And again, I, I, there are differences and I, we don't need to get into those here, but, but the, in the end, coaching is really powerful because it can help you get a lot of those same kinds of benefits without all of the baggage of a diagnosis of something. And in, Again, I don't mean to downplay <laughs> psychologists or anything like that either. Uh, there's value there, but but that's super that's super awesome for you to offer that. And I I cannot encourage people enough to 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 take you up on that. And I I mean yeah, you're my guest, and yeah, I want to you know help promote what you're doing. But I really earnestly mean it because I also think that it's easy to underestimate how valuable a coach can be. And I say that from personal experience because. I had never worked with a coach and I was all, I mean, when my coach and I first had our intro call or whatever to see if it would be a good fit, I was like, I, I just don't really know what I would get out of it, but I guess I'll try it. Cause I'm curious. And here I am, you know, almost two years later. And I mean, it's the single biggest life changing thing that I've done. Uh, and and so. interestingly enough, a couple of my clients are actually you know, psychologists. I mean, they are therapists. They are some of right. my clients, and 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 the thing is, they're they're compatible. I have clients who have both, right? Because yeah. yep. to your point, the coaching departs sometimes from the place where the therapy leaves it, right? Right, and and takes you forward into the the future, and so right. um, I absolutely yes. I mean, and, and you know, I, I think sometimes we live in a culture. I think you mentioned this earlier, where there's a stigma, right? And yes. 
And instead of saying, look, okay, I've done magnificently this far, getting myself this far. And yet there's so much more I want to do rather than bounce around like a firefly in a jar, right? When someone can help you and give you that boost, get you where you want to go faster, get you more clarity, help you have the tools to just breathe easier and love your life more, why wouldn't you do it? There's no stigma to doing that. Right. Right? Nope. No, there's, there's no, there's literally not a negative outcome. Right. I mean, there's, there's literally not, a, there's not a downside. The, to your point earlier about, do you look at the bright side? Well, when it comes to to this kind of stuff, you, there is no bright side to look at because there's no dark side that you could also alternatively look at. It, it really is just upside. Um, well, Meredith, I again am, am very humbled for you to come on the show and and really, really appreciate your time. Um, you shared a, a tremendous wealth of information and and obviously a, a very, very powerful story that's deeply personal. And um, that I yeah really appreciate you taking the time to do that. This well, evening. thank you again so much for having me. Thank you, whoever's listening out there. I hope you'll reach out to me. But um, keep doing what you're doing. This is an amazing show, and it really is providing incredibly necessary value to people. So. Thank you so much for for all of this. Right, folks. Well, that's all for the show today. Thank you so much again to Meredith Alexander for coming by the show. Really enjoyed our conversation. Of course, thank you also to Misha Zarens for the music. And last but not least, thank you, listener, for listening. I also want to encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which I co-host with Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we really try and explore why gaming matters. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks on all podcast apps. 
Of course, thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.